Welcome to episode 862 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 862 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you go, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan. Bloody brilliant. Why are you good? I am good. Getting fitter. Week, we had week one of training. It was quite a big step up. And how much Volume-wise, how much did you step up? Uh, or even just time-wise? Well, it was a step up. I think I did about 15, 15 to 16 hours. And what week. had you been doing before that? Um, sort of hovering around 10 or so. Mm. So it was, yeah, mainly the long run starting to get up and then the long bike was four and a half hours and that sort of boosts things up. But it was just that consistency all the way through the week. So feeling good about it. Did you feel a level of fatigue? Uh, I did uh, yesterday on Monday, but uh, all in all, pretty happy with it. Wrote, here I come. Oh, mate, I reckon you're going to win it. <laughs> I looked at the profile and I thought Newsom's taking it yeah, out. That's a, you know, there's a, no one turning up to this race. I think we discussed it last week. Yeah, yeah profile's pre- it's pretty it's weak. It's stellar. It's, it's a stellar <laughs> profile. Okay, let's say thank you to our patrons Adam, the big schnozzle Bardsley. We've got Jeff, the jackhammer Roberts. And Murray, the holy hammer Lapworth. I heard he's struggling a bit with his fitness right now. He's heading in the right direction. I heard, I heard someone yep. went for a bike ride and Murray was. Mario's puffing, but he's <laughs> heading in the right direction. He's doing the right stuff. Okay, this week's show, we've got some news, we've got a hot topic, we've got a great interview. Who we got on, John? James Karnama. Uh We're going to be talking about what he thinks when we look at the difference between Kona and Nice for the men's race this year. Uh, also, we've got Winger of the Week and questions and answers at the end. Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, PTO have announced the European Open will be in Ibiza in May alongside the World Triathlon Long Course Distance Champs. That's cool, isn't it? It's great. So I knew this one was coming. That's why I wasn't whispering it out. But, you didn't um, even tell me. Uh, but Jan Frodeno uh, announced last week he was going to do a PTO race that was going to be in May. So I knew this was going to be coming out sometime soon. Cool thing with this and with the other one, the US Open, it's running alongside another yeah. event. So you've got the higher a crowd there straight yeah. away. So I think And higher a passionate crowd. Yeah. So I think it's going to be fantastic. Cool venue. Good timing. Spreads the season out. Tick, tick, tick. The only th- cross that may potentially be there if World Triathlon decide to have the World Long Distance Triathlon at the same time because then you're going to get like a D-grade field, um, which is kind of what they did in Rote last year in, in the Collins Cup last year. So hopefully they don't do that. All in all, looking good. But they probably will, weren't they? Probably will. Yeah. But the, the World Triathlon long course is never. It's it's. You've had a couple of rock stars take it over the years, but yeah. it's it's usually reasonable reasonable money though. Um, so I wonder if there'll be a, a, like a pro who go, you know what? Don't do the PT. Get the money. Get the branding. You can say you're a real good champ. Point. Yeah. You know, like let's say, would, let's say you're like a seventh. What would pay thirtieth thirtieth place compared to first place yeah. in the long distance Cause world champ? Because. You can say you're a real champ mm. forever. Mm-hmm. And that does, you know, most people don't know. Interesting point. Yeah. Okay, PTO over now. So then now what's happening in the racing is what's happening. So we now have, there's been some changes to the tour updates. Yeah, so this is this was a, a footnote at the bottom, which is actually should be quite a big footnote. So you've now got European Open, you've got the US Open, and you've got the Asian Open. Um, so for the European and the US, it'll, it'll be cut down to it's only going to be the top 30 men and women. Instead I, of 50? I thought I thought last year maybe it was 40. It could have been okay. 30. But anyway, but it's, it's only reduction. 30. Yep. That's not that many. Um, but Singapore is only going to be the top 20. Um, also, 
the prize fund for the PTO opens will be down to $600,000 per, per event, um, with $100,000 for the first, fifty for second, thirty-five for third. So that's down from last year where it was a million. So same Is prize pool. Is that because pool. we've got the same more events? Well, yeah, I guess it's basically the same prize pool or very spread similar, out. spread over three events. Uh, you still do have the $2 million prize fund for the ranking, end-of-year rankings. However, that's also changed, and it's now being split between the top 50 males and females. Which was what? It did go down. To all the way down to 100 um, so 50 through 100 are no longer you know getting me, anything you know as I was reading this this morning I thought to myself how, are they making money oh, they're not making any money shit no No. But how long are they going to sustain this for who knows we've, we've, <laughs> we've discussed that hey I, I, like, I love it I love that, that the pros are making good money and blah 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 but I mean that's just we've got to start seeing the business model that's just we? 3 million dollars in prize money there the events they're not going to make any money either so um, yeah, there's a lot of outgoings but hey that's probably a topic for, for what another What does the Collins day. Cup pay out? That's big money as well. Yeah, it's um, it's either one or two million. So this that takes up to five mil. Um, but yeah, the interesting thing for me here is yeah, they're not paying fifty through hundred now. They were only getting I think a couple of thousand dollars maybe, but it was all that little bit there, and it's going to be harder to get into these races. You know, your ranking is going to be more important, which we're going to discuss in a moment. Yeah, that that is the next point. So they have now announced. So last week we were talking about how. Um, the pros sat down. They weren't quite happy with what was happening with the ranking system, so they just wanted to make some adjustments to make it fairer in the way that they felt it would work. That's been announced. So what have we got on this front, John? So, yeah, the new system, and Dylan mentioned this, um, was it last week we spoke yep. with him? Uh, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So it, it's what stays the same is it's your best three races that count, and it's your, your ranking points is an average of those three numbers so and it's usually for the top athletes it's going to be 90 to uh, sort of 90 to 100 so like 100 I, th- I think theoretically is probably the absolute maximum you can you can get um, so the, the top athletes at the moment are, are sort of in the 90s so and it's going to be broken down in a couple of different areas so firstly there's going to be a tiered race system and so tiers are basically based off how much prize money there is at that event. And that's going to account for 40% of your points that you get from that race. So the only events that are the top tier are the PTO races, the Collins Cup, and the Ironman World Championship. So that's okay. it. Then you've got tiers below that, and it's all based on prize money. So there's five, five tiers. What you'll find is the lowest tier will be things like Challenge Wanaka, a lot of the independent cha- yep. or challenge family races. Then you kind of move up to you know, some of the 70.3s, um, some of the ones that just offer a bit more money. And then the third tier, you'll find most Ironmans and 70.3 regional championships. Um, and then you go up the next level 70.3 world champs, Challenge Road, world long distance champs, and a few others. And then the top tier is those ones. So pretty much silver before. and bronze is kind of your typical Ironman and 73.3 down. Mm. And then gold, platinum, and diamond are kind of anything above a regional championship or an, a, a you know mm. a world championship in some of the lesser brands. So that's forty percent of your score, um, and those events will each have different amount of points that you can earn. So if you go and do one of the big kahunas, the the PTO races or the World Champion Ironman Championships, that starts at a hundred points and then works its way down. Depending on um, where you get. Depending on where you get, so it drops off 2% per placing. Um, Then if you go down to say, say you just go and do a... You know, an Ironman race, a regular regular Ironman, that only starts at 80 points. Okay. Massive drop-off. Um, and, and the placings drop, drop off higher. Drop-off quicker. So, it's, for example, so Ironman, regular Ironman's a silver race. 
80 points is your base points. If you get first, you're probably going to get 80. Uh, if you get second, you're going to get 72. So it's an eight-point yeah. drop-off. So it's a, a big drop-off. So that's tiered racing is one system, one part of the, the point scoring, 40%. The next part is the strength of the field, and that's 30% of your points. So that's based on the average ranking points of the athletes who will start, and that's an important point, will start the race. So, yeah, if you get a strong field, there's going to be um, high points. high chance. If you go, if you're the the lone wolf at a race and you win by lots, then uh, you know that that strength of field is going to be lesser. And then the final, the second to last point is the race time, um, which is thirty percent of your points. So that basically means you know. The faster you go, yeah, so if you beat me by twenty minutes, you get more points. Yeah, and how how close you are, how, yeah. you know, if the first two are miles in front of the third and fourth, then that's going to help you. So it basically that's incentivizing you to go as fast as you possibly can, even if you are well behind. Yeah, or well in front as yeah, well. Yeah, so it's um, keeping the pressure on to race your best no matter what in chosen races and then the final point is um, one of your iron distance races you get a 5% bonus however it's it's quite complicated it's only at a gold silver or bronze tier event so it doesn't count for like the world Ironman championships so that probably sounds pretty confusing the system to me looks quite a bit better Um, okay so let's have a look at what would have happened in the last couple of years or last year's ratings if this had happened. So if we look at the men's race, the top three stay the same. So you've got Kristen Bremenfeldt would have got first, Eden second, did leave, leave third. Sam Dadlow would have gone up one. Mm-hmm. So would have Lionel Sanders. Sam Long would have gone up four. So it's significant for him because that's quite a bit of money. But, but the other ones down the bottom are going up most. Florian Angert, Frederick Frank, and Aaron Royal went up between 14 and 22 places. Because Aaron Royal had that huge. great Canada oh, race. Oh, sorry, they went up between 6 and 12 places. Yeah, and Max Newman would have gone down three. Yeah. So in, in like 12 places, it's a lot of money at the end of the year, isn't it? Big money. Yeah. Um, on the female side... There's um, more, the, more change here, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, the big loser there was... Um, who was Anne Hauk, she went down five places, and the big winners were Ashley Gentle went up a couple, Lucy Charles Barkley went up three, Paula Finlay went up five. So, yeah, a bit, bit of movement all over the place. Anne Hauk, so she got top money last year. Mm. That's, a, that's another big difference in money, isn't it? Because, yeah, she... It was 100,000 bonus, wasn't she it? Didn't, I don't know if she did the PTO races, so she had a really good Kona, yep. uh, or you got a third in Kona, uh, and then she must I think she won Challenge Rote, yep. so she got punished for not doing the PTO races essentially on this... Um, not straight yeah. stronger fields outside of... Mm. Yeah. So... Yeah, so like, so yeah, so then Daniela would have gone down two, Taylor Nib would have gone down one, yeah, as you're saying, uh, Paula Finlay would have gone up five. Mm. Great. Well, good, good for her. <laughs> Emma Pellett-Brown would have gone up from 15th to 10th. So what, what is all this going to mean? Uh, on the positive side, what I think it's going to mean, we're going to push athletes more towards big races. So that for us, from a spectator's point of view, that's going to be cool. You're going to see more head-to-head races. So you need to be going. If I'm a pro athlete, you're going, I've got to be going to those uh, diamond races because that's your best opportunity. Yep. You're going to have a strong field. And you've got, you know... Um, better payday. Better payday. And you're starting at 100 points, not the lower level. So you're thinking, I've got to do those big races. That's my, my first sort of tick. And the other thing that we haven't acknowledged here is that you don't just get the prize money bonus at the end of the year. You get to race Collins Cup. Totally. Yeah. And that's another big payday. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully the system as well is um, we don't see athletes complaining, oh, she got that points there or he got those points there. It's a lot clearer. Yeah. And... 
you're not going to get those outlier results. Say somebody goes and does Ironman Lanzarote and wins by half an hour and there's really good conditions for some reason and they get a really good point score, that's not going to cut the mustard anymore. If you want to get good points, you've pretty much got to go to the big races, either the top or the second tier races. Um, so yeah, clear idea of how you can score points. Um, however, more pressure to perform at those diamond level races because yep. those are the ones that count if you cock them you can't just cock one race up because that's going to really impact but it's your, still you have three best races from a year isn't it it is yeah. so you could have cocked one up and go yeah. so what you got three Collins Cups you know, no, three, three three PTO opens, races if you did all three and then Ironman World Champs and Collins Cup so not everybody's going to do all five of those no, but you want to be going I need to be doing three I only get into the Collins Cup there's effectively only four because you only get into the Collins Cup if, if you've done well, well. So, uh, yeah, the, the pressure to perform will be bigger. Um, smaller events, this is a weird positive I've got, smaller events might provide better opportunities for high placings for the up-and-coming athletes. So the, you might get a, a negative as you'll get a weaker field at some races. I mean, New Zealand. Yeah, but for the up-and-coming athlete, you might go, well, there's an opportunity for me to win races, build a resume, go to sponsors, say, I won 70.3 top, or I won 70.3 Venice or something like that. So flip, you know. Um, positive Why'd you go to Venice? Sorry? Why'd you go to Venice? I don't know. I wanted to go to Europe. And my other examples were in New Zealand. I thought, we're, we're a multinational <laughs> I mean, show. I Topo and in Venice. I was like, why do you go to Venice? <laughs> um, hope, uh, this may incentivize some events to have bigger prize purses. So nice. you sort of move up into that next tier of athletes. So then you'll attract better athletes. Uh, and the rankings, as we've said, become more important because it gets you into PTO races. It gets you into that... $2 million dollar prize pool at the end and as Bevan said the Collins Cup which um, is really important because you can Collins Cup hmm. that's a big payday yeah you know, how, does, um, how does it work with the payment uh, is it still just the fastest athletes as per last year it was basically based off your rankings you got two wild spots and then the prize money is, is split uh, between a team just, or no it's just split based off your rankings oh, so it's okay. effectively doubling down on your ranking at the end of the year is, okay so, okay yeah. Uh, the negatives are smaller events might find it harder to attract big names. Um, but Surely they will, other than regional. Yeah, but you do only have to do three events, and you think most athletes, what, they're going to race five And the to opens ten aren't years. as long. Mm. So the opens aren't Ironman. So it may or may not impact that. Um, I'm not quite sure. But certainly, if they were clashing with any of those big events, they'll, they'll suffer. Uh, it's still quite confusing, and, you, and I was trying to explain it as simply as I could, but it's still quite confusing how many points you're going to get and what that actually means. When I remember watching the World Triathlon Series final last year, and you're going through the run. And the commentators were saying, right, as it stands at the moment, this is the points. Okay. Somebody moves places, they go, right, this is how it stands. You won't know that because they won't be able to do, calculate the points until well after the race. Yep. So, But I don't see a solution. To, and and to also, that. we don't really have races where that happens. No. We don't have a race where it depends on the, who places, you know. Mm. So, um, Just on the face of it, the system seems to favour middle distance athletes to me a little bit. Not long course? No, the, the, the ones no, that do well at PTO. On the guys' side, the ones that who, are, who are winning PTO races are also generally winning Ironman, so it's a bit more clear cut. But Aaron Raw is a good example. How does he do an Ironman? Yeah, so he doesn't. Um, yeah, no, so he were, he would have jumped. So he was 22nd last year. Now he, he had one great race, didn't he? Yeah, one really, really good race where he finished third, third was it Canada, I think it was. It? Yeah. Uh, and so he's gone up 12 spots. Mm. So, you know, he's, did he do much in Ironman last year? He's never done an Ironman. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, on the female side, you've definitely got, you know, short course athletes seem, seem to be doing a bit better. You know, you've got Daniela Reef and Lucy Charles. Uh, I suppose it's 50-50 in that top 10. Let's see. If, if you go Lucy Charles Barclay, 
Daniela Reef, Anne Haug, Laura Phillip, and Chelsea Cesaro. They're sort of more long course specialists. Um, and then the other five, so I suppose it's 50 50. Who's PTO for? Uh, I think it's for everybody. We get to see good races. No, 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 no. But, but they, the, the, the athletes, it's athlete led. But is it, is it for long course athletes? Well, that's the thing. I don't think they really know. Like, I think initially it was long course athletes, like Ironman athletes. Yeah. Now it's just trying to be for the betterment of everybody. But the races they're producing are middle distance athletes, which is More generally short, to short middle, course athletes yeah. sort of stepping up to middle distance. So. But I think everybody will win in the end. Everyone's a winner, baby. Yeah. That's the truth. Pop quiz, who's saying that? Don't know. Oh, I've gone blank. Hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah. They're saying um, I'm too sexy. Right. Yeah. The one thing that I wouldn't mind seeing is to have one Ironman, your Ironman result mean a bit more, and that would give a little bit more of a oomph to the, the Ironman athletes. Well, like even like an Ironman New Zealand. Sorry? Oh, do you, you mean getting more credit for it? Yeah. And then you do get 5% bonus. Do you think it's a, do you think it's a token just so there's looks like that? No, it's like, not. No, it definitely would help you. But when I look at this, and as you said, Aaron Royal never done nine man. I'm not picking on Aaron Royal. Good yeah, on him. He's a great race. Um, and you look at the the females. You got Taylor Nib doesn't do Iron Man. Paula Finlay, Ashley Gentle don't do Iron Man. Um, yeah, I kind of and same with Emma Pallant Brown. I'd almost like to see them having more of an impact if you did a really good Ironman. I am really fascinated to see their business model because mm. I still don't see it. No. You know, like a, like a lot of money's going out. Yeah. And even I was a bit cynical when I read that earlier because I was like, they're reducing the prize money. Yeah, when you spread it out, it's probably the same prize money over a year. So I get it. Mm. Um, but I, I, and I want them, like, jeepers, creepers, I want them to succeed. Mm. I just got to see, show me a business model. How are you making mm. money? Mm. A lot of money's going out. Anyway, we've also, Dawson came back to us and he said, okay, the rankings for Nice and Kona for both the male and female. Qualifying. Qualifying. He's given us a, a little document that he put on his site the other day talking about what's happening with qualifications at this time in the year. And pretty much uh, a lot of, the, all the big hitters, not all, almost all the big hitters have qualified um, already. So, you know, when I look at the ones that haven't qualified that excite me about racing and thinking you could be a contender uh, it's Curry. only really Braden Curry and Alistair Brownlee on the, the boys' side. That and which could, could be done in the next couple of weeks. Mm. I don't think, Lionel Sanders, you know, when you hear this interview later on, I don't think he's going to be a factor for, for Nice based on his uh, bike handling skills. Um, and then on the female side, yeah, there's not really many on that list. The only, you know, Laura, Laura Phillips, she'll qualify um, at South Africa and maybe Jocelyn McCauley. Don't really know what's going on with Kat Matthews with her recovery from a crash. I think she, who knows when she'll be back um, to, to 100%. So yeah, most of the big hitters have already qualified, which that's why it gives them the, the flexibility to go and do things like Challenge Rote. So if you want to keep up with all this sort of stuff, go check out tryrating.com. Okay, we had a Challenge Warnock happen over the weekend and word on the street, word on the street, John. Tough course. Tough course on the run. Tough run. Uh, beautiful course. Um, but you have a swim in Lake Wanaka, then you've got a pretty lumpy old bike course, and then they've got a different run course. I think they same run course maybe they had the year before last, um, but it's you know, it's off-road uh, and it's got a lot of climbing. And so the fastest, Mike Phillips, who got second in Sebastian Keenley, they ran 124 and 125 for half marathon, so that gives you an indication of how tricky it is. The yeah. female winner, Grace Thick, she won, she ran 131. And so, you know, it's... 
it's about 10 minutes slower than what you these athletes would normally do, if not more. So Grace Seek took it out in front of Els Visser and Rebecca Clark, who had a few uh, trials and tribulations out there. I was expecting her to win. Um, Jack Moody came through the fantastic run leg to beat out Mike Phillips, who uh, equally had a blistering bike leg, uh, and Sebastian Keenlay, who was a bit unwell since arriving in New Zealand. He finished in third. We've got some other news here, and it's actually, oh, you've just said, Keenley's doing a YouTube series called Discontinued, and you reckon it's worth a watch? Yeah, I just had a bit of a scan through, I think Challenge Wanaka was the third episode, um, so he's obviously got someone, a good good videographer going around, and yeah, just had a bit of a story rather than just a race recap, and yeah, um, yeah check it out, um, Sebastian Keenley on YouTube. Okay, so Super League have announced that they've now expanded into the US growth mass participation races so they've they've continued to rapidly expand plans by acquiring the new york and chicago marathon triathlon sorry the acquisition of the two additional major city triathlons provides the super league triathlon with a stable of mass participation events in the u.s which includes the malibu triathlon Uh, also have new york chicago uh, the for they took that from lifetime and did i read that they also have the one in san francisco no, no, obviously, isn't it? Yeah, their model was going to, I, I would hope, then they'll run a Super League event alongside these triathlons. I'm guessing, um, yeah, it's interesting, though. It's great. But what the difference of the Super League races when I'm watching them, what makes them cool is when you've got crowds pumping, you're, you, I'm more engaged. When I was watching the one in Neom in Saudi, it's like this is boring as batshit. The ra- even if the racing had been more interesting, I'm like. Not, 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 amazing, no, certainly it? not as engaged. I think a crowd makes it a more interesting yeah. spectacle, isn't it? Mm. They do do great formats as well. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know where the Super League's going, to be honest. I just, they've, they've got to keep getting the big hitters, um, and that's going to be the challenge. And even last so year, was the they got the two big hitters, luckily, but they're occasionally, outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Frodo, it looks like he's going to be doing some PTO racing, he's going to do Ironman Hamburg and Nice. It's going to be good. He's excited about Nice. Yeah, same. Okay, we're coming up this weekend, what's, what's happening? You've got the Herculean try in oh. here. I think I've mentioned this one before. Uh, it looks like they move venue or move around a couple of venues. So if you want to go and do a race in India, I was trying, I couldn't find the entry figures. I thought it's probably quite cheap over there. Yeah. And then I saw they had prize money. I thought, I wonder if one day this is a little event I could go and do and just burgle it. Because yeah, I, right. I did that once before in India and the prize money was reasonably good. It was enough to cover my trip and I got to go to India. So that was yeah. cool. Um, and it's, I think it was 20,000 uh, ringgit, ringgit or rupee, whichever it is. So, yeah. And I thought, well, how much that is? It's $383. So then it's going to get you in there. It's not quite covering the airfare. Okay, we've also got the Super League Arena Games happening this weekend. Now, have they got, have they got the stats up? Uh, I mean, the, the field up? I know Sanders is Yeah, racing. they have. And it's yeah, the Arena Games. Is, it will still be, it might be an interesting watch because you may have close racing, but you've got no athletes here. I mean, Lionel Sanders is your big ticket sort of marketing draw card. Draw card. Oh, you have got Orlean Raphael. I think he'll absolutely spank them all. Um, so yeah, it's certainly not got the big hitters, which might, as I said, might make for interesting racing. But I'm I'm looking down the lineup. You've got no world triathlon athletes that are you know at the front of the pack. You have got Henry Schumann, who is a great athlete, hasn't shown much for a few few years. Yeah, what happened to him? Um, oh, I think he got injured. 
Commonwealth Games did really well, didn't he? Yeah, and at Olympics, he got a bronze medal. That's right, yeah. Um, and similarly on the, the female side, you know, you got a lot of locals, a lot of sort of second-tier athletes. But uh, I, I like the format, um, but there's just so much racing on these days. So it's well, they, on in Canada and Montreal this weekend. And you can sign in if you go to superleague.com, superleaguetriathlon.com, you sign in and you can watch it live for free. So you can check that out as well. Uh, let me go back to my notes here, John Newsom. We okay. also had a short course race at, uh, down at Challenge Wanaka last weekend. It was um, in just because this is a bit of sort of long course meets uh, short course. Kyle Smith, who's done really well yeah. in some half Ironmans and 70.3s, uh, he's making a return to short course racing and he finished a very impressive second place having a sprint finish. So it was like a mass sprint finish between four or so of them and he got uh, second, Got bit, he beat uh, one of our other Kiwis who went to the Olympics, Taylor Reid. Uh, so he's put his name in the hat for uh, yeah, trying to see if he can make it at short course. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, last week's discussion of the week. Carrying on from the theme from the last few weeks, what's the best swim you've ever done anywhere in the world? We kind of said outside of Kona because we just thought that was the best anyway. So Jeremy Remy's got uh, Breka in the Bay of Islands and the Hooker Swim, which is Tolpool in the Hooker Falls. Fastest Jesus, swimming down the Hooker Falls would be interesting. I'm sure it can't be the main well, part. Well, here's what he said. The fastest three k's I've ever swam, sub 30 minutes. Yeah, but you would not go through the main part of the Hooker Falls. That's like you'd die. Yeah. Going, you literally would die going through there. You do a couple more bits. Okay, Scott Horn's got a tie between Topol and Cozumel. Uh, the Amazing Swim's right there in the in my backyard as well in Sala Rosa, Rosa in Florida. Uh, Christine McKinley's got Bustleton. That used to go at the pier, didn't you? Yeah, that's what she says, I think. Around yeah. the pier, the old shark-infested course. Yeah, you keep going, Bevan. Now, Brian Esprit's gone, yeah. I agree. Uh, if you were Mark Sissons, it was so much fun disappearing off into the Indian Ocean. Warm, clear waters. Richard Swan, you know, has got the swim at the bar in the Hilton in Waikoloa. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tommy Morwood says the exterior in New Zealand at Rotorua, that's in Blue Lake, it is a beautiful place to swim. I never swam there once, um, but it was beautiful. No, McLaren's got the Ruby Island swim in Lake Wanaka. George uh, Samuels says I'm in France, was pretty nice. Crystal clear water in the mid. Although the beach was rubbish, it is a big stony beach. Cosmel was obviously great because Ben Shure's got this as well. Clear, warm and fast. Almost makes up for the horrifically windy bike ride. <laughs> uh, Clive Aslan, uh, Wanaka, such great views either side of you when you breathe. Kylie Cox has got, she's done the old knot here. She's got, I reckon, the old days at Pegasus. Not the first couple of times at Pegasus were beautiful. Uh, so the Pegasus is a man-made lake, and when it was first set up, the water was beautiful, it was crystal clear, it was great, and each year it got worse and worse, and then it was like swimming in poos. Can you swim it at all now? No. Oh, really? No. no. Uh, Scott Hinger has got Lake Zurich in a crossing in Switzerland, uh, a 1,500-metre non-timed event where 10,000 people take part on a Wednesday afternoon in July every year. That's cool. Last one I'll do. You haven't done Andrew Charles Smith? No. Uh, no contest. It's the Sicily Swim Challenge. 15k swim between five main islands and walk across each one. Challenging, but very, very beautiful. Richard Palmer's got Fingal Bay and New South Wales, Australia. Australia must have some great swims. Yeah, but you've got to get, get eaten by sharks. Yeah. And all other things that are in the water. You're going to get eaten by sharks. Yeah, no, I, I haven't done that much swimming in Australia, but I would be shitting my pants whenever I went out there. Just gonna, be, you just gonna think it doesn't exist, mm. yeah. but it does. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it does is best, John. Is how I live my life. <laughs> yeah. uh, so my ones that I've got, my favourites, Challenge Wanaka is, or just swimming in Wanaka is beautiful. Um, and then most alpine lakes that I've swum in in France are generally, if you're in the 
in the Pyrenees and stuff, you've just got these amazing backdrops all around you. And likewise in Canada. And one of the athletes we're interviewing next week on the podcast, uh, David Rowe, I'm loving it. He's got all our Epic Camp Canada, and I've just been scanning through there. We swam in this lake near Sunwapta Falls that I remember being beautiful. So Canada was a nice place to swim, but the water was cold as bloody ice. I, I think for me it is Wanaka. Because I, I go camping there and I love it's, a, it's one of my favorite spots in the world. But when you're doing that race, you, you breathe one way and you've got a beautiful view, mm. and then you breathe the other way and you've got a beautiful view as well. Mm. And it's crystal clear. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a bit, a bit fresh. Definitely but, lake swimming where you don't have to worry if you take a mouthful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, Monica, if you've ever got a chance to challenge Wanaka, highly recommend it. It's pretty mm. stunning. Okay. This week's discussion. Now, you give me two options here. Yep. You've got, do you think age groupers will tire of long course triathlon and the demands of the time resource and make short or return to short course racing? Why, why not? Or as a spectator outside of the women's, the Ironman world champs, what race? I'm going to go with your first one. Okay. So the question is, do you think age groupers will tire of long course tries and the demands on the time and resource and make a return to short course racing Olympics and triathlon or, or um, sprints? Why, why not? Hmm. What are you thinking here? Just thinking, you've got to, if you want to do Ironman properly these days, you've got to put in some serious bloody hours, yeah. you know, uh, and it's really demanding, and financially it's demanding, the yeah. race is getting more and more expensive. Well, I was thinking about it the other day, because we were doing the Coast to Coast last week, and I'm not struggling for a penny, but mm. to really, if you're, if you're starting from scratch now, oh, 10 grand, at least, mm. you know, mm. that's a second-hand bike, mm. you know what mm. I mean? Like, it's like... If you're starting from scratch, yeah, yeah, it'd be more than that. You know, you're probably dropping 15k at least. Mm. You know, that's a big investment. Mm. And I'm just curious to know if there's an appeal for people to do short races. I don't, I don't know the answer. That's why I'm putting the question out there. Okay. Uh, let's talk about, oh, sponsor prize press. Well, so we did a prize draw at the end of last year for a pair of form goggles. Yep. Um, and the person kindly said, I'm not actually doing any swimming in the, at the moment, and I'm not planning on doing any. But like so me. why don't you give them to somebody else? Oh, so we went back and we did it another... So, so I've done I've done another random.org through our list of uh, fantastic patrons, and the winner of the uh, fantastic form goggles uh, is Ken, rocking the free world young. There we go. And I know for a fact that hopefully Ken's still listening um, and listening to this one, but he's training up for a road, and so I know he's going to be swimming. If he's not, he needs to be. And Ken, get in touch with me. It's Kiwi. He's a Kiwi. Well, he's a. Oh, I hope I get this right. I'm pretty sure he's Scottish. Ken. He was on. He came and did wrote. Um, was it the first year we did it. I think okay. it's first year okay. we did okay. it. Yeah. Uh, he lives up in the, somewhere in the North Island, middle of the North Island. Yep. And from memory, I, I totally remember Ken. From memory, Lovely Ken's man. a vet. I think. Yep. Yeah. I think you're right. So Ken, rocking the free world. You'll be rocking some form goggles. Okay, let's go to your quiz question. This is a good one. How many Ironman titles does Lionel Sanders have? The reason this is topical this week is Lionel Sanders is doing the Super League Arena Games in uh, Montreal, and he's been looks like he's been training pretty seriously for it. He wants to vomit, apparently. Show me vomit, is what he says. He does a lot of indoor indoor training, doesn't he? So yep. you think he's going to be? He knows the game. Yep. Uh, so how many Ironman titles does Lionel Sanders have? I got John, got John Bo. We've got an interview coming up. We got uh, James Kanama. Sorry, sick of that joke. Um, he's actually really good. John wanted to get him on to talk about what's the difference for a pro between Nice and Kona and what, how he sees it looking forward. And this is a really great interview. So here is James right now. Okay. 
Righty ho, today's today's guest, James Akanema. Um, you guys who have been around in tri circles for a while will know of James. Those of you that are new to the game, maybe not so much, but he had wins all over the planet. Um, but most importantly, in our sort of theme over the next few weeks around Nice versus Kona, James won Nice, uh, Ironman France, and his final kind of proper season before bloody COVID. Uh, had the fan with everybody. Uh, he's also won Rote uh, and had top five performances in Kona. So he knows, uh, certainly knows about all these different courses. He's now one of the co-hosts of uh, the GTN, the Global Triathlon Network. So if you want to check that out on YouTube, they produce a whole bunch of content. And uh, yeah, we've had James on the before 2018, I think it was in Rote, and 2014 back in Kona. So uh, yeah, welcome back to the show, show, James. What have you been up to since um, since hanging up the hanging up the shoes and the bike? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, wow, yeah, a lot's changed in my life since uh, the last time we spoke. Uh, COVID, of course, uh, we all went through that, and it was quite the uh, the spanner in our lives. Um, I was kind of at the point, I guess, the twilight of my career as a professional athlete, and uh, but I, I literally just before COVID happened, I uh, had done an interview with a few with the media and said. I really feel like the next couple of years are, are probably my best years in front of me. Oh, I've got really? a, you know, I've got a kid. We've just, uh, we, you know, everything's kind of settled. We've bought a house in South Africa. Life is feeling really settled and I'm feeling more kind of rounded as an athlete than I've ever been in my life. And I was in exceptional shape uh, in March of, of 2019, um, March of 2020, going into Ironman South Africa. And literally three weeks before the race, they said the race is cancelled. It's not going to happen. And a week later, we went into a ridiculously hard lockdown. Mm. Uh, and yeah, that was, I didn't know it at the time, but that was essentially the end of my career. Uh, I did a couple more, a uh, couple more PTO races kind of through COVID, uh, flew out to Daytona and got sick on the way uh, and then did a, did a small PTO race. But uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of a position where we had to start looking for other things and this gtn gig uh came up i actually i knew mark throffle pretty well um and kind of said to him in a couple years two three years maybe i'll uh I'll, we'll be looking at moving to the uk so if anything comes up in that area uh mm. that's where you know the area where we are now is uh jody's parents live here and her sister lives here and i was like if anything comes up around that you know let me know uh, and he was like well how soon can you be here um and yeah that was <laughs> That was kind of the start of it. So uh, we we sold up the house in South Africa. We moved to the UK through in the middle of the pandemic. We went through uh, 10 days of hotel quarantine with three small kids. And we don't really talk about that. Um, but yeah, started, <laughs> started a whole new career. Uh, yeah, we have a bit of PTSD for that. We we still haven't kind of processed it. And I'm not sure we ever will. But uh, it was all worth it. We've now settled in the UK. And I'm pretty happy in my job. It's a, it's a different lifestyle to being a professional athlete. But it is... Uh, it's interesting and still get to travel the world and go to races, went to Kona last year, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, got the best of both worlds. Now I don't have to train ridiculously hard, but I still get to travel to the races. Dude, was it, was it a hard emotional thing to have your career taken away like that? Or in some ways was it a blessing in disguise? Um, I think obviously as a professional athlete, you never really know where you're going to land afterwards and you kind of hope and, and think, you know, something will come along and it'll work out. Um, but it's a very difficult transition. Um, and it's a scary transition and I, I was very much in the, in the realm of, I don't really know what I'm going to do. Um, I, I had coached, I was coaching before I even started being a professional triathlete. So there was always that to go back to. And that was kind of the, the loose plan was to go into coaching. Um, and even so it was probably to 
to end up in the UK, uh, have the kids go to school here, um, and Jody's parents are here, etc. Um, also, more opportunities as a coach here, that kind of thing. Uh, but it, it was it was definitely it was definitely hard not to have a, a full stop in your career and go right. This is my last big race, and you know we look at Sebi keenly this year going around doing a final tour. Uh, and that wasn't, I never had that option. That was not an option. Mm. Um, it was just kind of taken away from me. You've got three kids, you have to make a living and there are no races and who knows when you're going to race again, it's time to, to, to hang it up and, and move on to something else. Uh, but then on the flip side, I very much landed on my feet. Uh, and also I think, I mean, what Sebi's doing is great, but let's be honest, everyone thinks I'm going to win one last race and then I'm going to hang up my boots. Um, yeah. That doesn't happen, does it? It yeah. ends up being, oh, I only got 14th. Oh, I only got 16th. Oh, I got 20th. I actually can't compete with these guys anymore. I think it's time for me to hang up my boots. Uh, yeah. Not many people go out on a high. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so I think the reality is it's all worked out pretty well. Yeah, Chrissy was one of those few that managed to go out on top, didn't she? But um, yeah, look, Kona, it, it, and I reckon I might have asked you this question when we've had you on once before. It seems like you had a, a love-hate relationship in terms of how your results went over there. You know, you had some top results where you're in the top five. You're always considered to be, you know, sort of a contender going into the race. Um, but on the flip side, you had some some DNFs and some, some poor results. So what was it for you, you know, in Kona that when you're on that knife, Edge, what was it that resulted in a good race or resulted in a, in a poor performance? Um, I think I think pretty much everyone has a love hate relationship with uh, <laughs> with Kona. Um, again, maybe Chrissy is the only one who doesn't. Um, yeah. I, I think you you can't find a, a single person who's who's gone through Kona and uh, not had their trials and tribulations there. Um, you know, Daniela Reef has cruised away into thirteenth place, and she's also you know smashed it many times. Um, and she's one of the exceptions. You know, for you know, Chris McCormack took seven years before he managed to figure it out and win it, kind of thing. Like Kona is just that that really different beast where you're not just racing your competitors, you're not just racing the best in the world all at the same day, you're not just racing um at the course, you're also racing the conditions, uh, and it's at the end of the season and there's travel to get there and 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 it's just mm. kind of a it's it's a really hard mix to get right um and uh, to be honest that's probably one of the things that's most frustrating is that i was very very close but both of the times i finished in the top five in kona i kind of came in and thought i've definitely got five to ten more minutes in me mm. and five to ten more minutes is the win you know uh so i i came away from it thinking I was so close, but I wasn't there, but I could be there. Um, and I never really got there, which is frustrating. But again, I think a lot of people do the same thing with Kona. You know, there's no race goes perfectly. And there's always things, something you can point to. I, you know, the time I got fourth, I, I had a porta potty stop at the energy lab. And I actually thought my race was pretty much over. My stomach was cramping. And, um, and then I pulled it back together and finished really strong and ran through three people in the last few miles. But it's, that was like, if that didn't happen, I would have been running through three people to the podium, maybe even the top step of the podium. Um, and that's so frustrating, but that is the nature of racing. That is the nature of kind of, that is the nature of a world champs, I think. And it doesn't really matter. We're going to get onto that. I guess it doesn't matter where it is when you've got 50 of the best athletes in the world on their form on the day, there is no margin for a tiny little fraction of not right. And 
everyone has a little bit of not right on on an Ironman day. It's too long to not have a little falter here or there or something going wrong. Um, so it, it, you never have a perfect race. I guess that's why you keep coming back. Um, but yeah, Kona is it is what it is. It was. I, I can't fault my results there. I'm I'm pretty happy with what I walked away with. Of course, I had a few really bad years there too, which um, all had reasons. But uh, that was part of figuring out the puzzle, wasn't it? As a as a pro athlete racing Kona, what were the things you liked and what were the things you disliked about the race? Um, well, it's interesting because we were just back there um, on, and for the first time, I think I've been there seven, maybe eight times. And for the first time, I wasn't racing um, and I could see it from a very different perspective. And from that perspective, it's exceptional. You know, it's a, it's, it's so cool. It's so, you know, you've got the tropics and it's, it's tropical and it's hot and it's challenging and it's brutal and it's, it's great to watch and it's, it's great to be on the sidelines and see it. But when you're in it, there's it's you know i've raced all over the world as you said and and in almost every race there's some redeeming quality where you where you go through and you think this is absolutely amazing that i'm here um but kona and and particularly at the pointy end where you're on the limit and you're on the limit with the heat and the humidity and the you know and all of that stuff and you're going along a sun-baked highway with very little in, in the way of you know spectators almost no spectators, almost no, I mean, people will talk about the scenery, but it's brutal scenery through mm. the lava fields. It's not, it's not something you turn and look at and go, wow, this is spectacular. I'm so great. Yeah. I'm here. It's kind of like, I mean, this is, this is dramatic, but it's not spectacular and beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, and when you're going through that at the same time, you're going through all the physical pain and everything else. It's, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities on the course. Like mm. it, you know, all the other ones, you go through, you do challenge rot and you you go up the Solaraberg and mm. it's just this absolute mayhem of, of athlete, of spectators all around you. And, and kind of like, that's what you're going to take away from it and look back and go, this is spectacular. The mm. you, you're bobbing around in the water before the start. And there's a hundred thousand people all around on the banks looking at you. And, yeah. and you don't get much of that at all in Kona because it's the athletes, it's the immediate families and the rest of the world is, literally the other side of the world from you um you know it's a very small little little bubble that kona happens in every year and it's it's one of the frustrating things i found in my career was that you go out there to the other side of the world and obviously i started from south africa we are as far as you can get on mm. the planet from kona literally it south africa is if you if you took a globe and put your finger on opposite ends of it south africa is as far as you can get from kona <laughs> and still be on the planet um so it, it, I obviously had family and stuff watching, but it was three o'clock in the morning and they couldn't really watch and they missed bits and they couldn't, you know, and even when I was starting out, I was watching it and I was the only one who was able to stay up to three o'clock in the morning to watch <laughs> it. And it was this, when you're racing, it's, it's very frustrating to take that away and then wake up the next morning and go, oh, did, no one even saw it. They're just catching up on Twitter the next morning kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there were a lot of, there were a lot of things about Kona that, well, I, I kind of hamstring hamstrung the professional race. Um, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it was very good for the sport. It, it's hard. It, well, I guess we probably we getting we we're going down the line now, but a bit about mm. our conversation. Um, but Kona has amazing redeeming qualities and a lot of history there, but it also has a lot of things that are ha that are holding back the sport, the professional sport especially. 
Um, what, what are they? Uh, mostly lack of spectators. It, it's not an arena where you can get mm-hmm. 250,000 spectators on ever. It'll never happen. No matter how big the sport gets, you could have them racing for a hundred million dollars and you still won't get 250,000 spectators on the course um, because it's in the middle of nowhere and no one can afford to go there. There's no accommodation. Literally what we've seen now, <laughs> they've had to move it because it's too small to host that many athletes. Um, it also, a, a big thing that hamstrings it is it's the complete wrong time zone. Your biggest triathlon market or one of your biggest triathlon markets is Europe and it's happening in the middle of the night. It's The run is starting at midnight. It's finishing at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and no matter how passionate of a triathlon fan you are, not many people are staying up to 2.30 in the morning to watch an Ironman marathon, uh, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's not good for the sport. Um, you know, the future of the sport has to be broadcast it has to be seen it has to be it has to be television people have to watch it it can't just be participatory and if no one can watch it because it happens in the middle of the night they're all watching a delayed replay and in the 80s and 90s that was fine because people were happy to watch an nbc special six weeks later that was very dramatic and and get the whole rundown of what happened um, because it wasn't live Uh, and now people can follow it live so they wake up the next morning they know all the results they know everything that happened and then six weeks later, an NBC documentary comes out and people are like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to watch, but it's not exactly telling me anything I didn't already yeah. know. Mm. Um, and and that's all that's all playing into this. You know, it's also expensive for, for brands to travel there. I mean, the amount of money that even our company spent to send a team there to do a few videos and cover the race and everything uh, is is exorbitant, absolutely yeah. exorbitant. And, and, you know, we... Global Triathlon Network got seven hundred fifty thousand subscribers, and we are everything is triathlon, and we we can't really not go to Kona. But even our company looks at it and goes, "Do we really need to go to Kona this year?" Yeah. Like, uh, you know, because it's so expensive. And mm-hmm. but if it was in Europe or even somewhere more accessible in America or wherever in in Nice, it's so much more accessible. There's no question. We've already booked Global Triathlon is already booked. We're excited for the first time. The whole team's going to be there everyone yeah. uh you know for the first time because in kona last year heather didn't come uh just because it's the other side of the world and you know that kind of thing this time the whole team's going to be there definitely we'll do all kinds of things around it um and that's just one aspect and i think that amongst all those things um kona has the the other the other big thing and it's not a big thing for age groupers maybe um and it's not a big thing even for professionals because the challenge is overcoming the whatever the challenge is presented that's the whole thing of a track of an of a of a professional athlete this is the course be the best on it um but the kona course only really challenges one aspect of being a professional uh, an all-round professional and that is your ability to perform at that level in the heat for eight mm-hmm. hours um that's what challenge that's the challenge there's no challenge of mountains there's no challenge of bike skills there's there isn't really really a challenge of even even swim prowess because you're in uh, salt water uh, with no wetsuit. You know it's it's uh, the pack stays together most years. Um, the the run is not it's hot and it's humid and that's about the only challenge in it. The mm-hmm. the um, and it doesn't it doesn't test all aspects of being a professional athlete to test one aspect um, and not to take anything away from the world champions that have been crowned there. 
but it 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 advantages a certain type of athlete. Yeah. Uh, uh, Patrick Langer, uh, Marinda Caffrey, who are small, light, can tolerate the heat much better than a bigger, stronger athlete. Um, and more credit to someone like Jan Frodeno for figuring it out and getting it right. But it it doesn't favor anyone, everyone. Um, and seeing a, a world champs that challenges different challenges. Um, it's one of the things I'm most excited about now in this year and, and going forward to Nice um, is that we're not just analyzing who's going to be there. Right. This is the conditions. We know who, what the conditions are. We know who they suit. This is the strengths and weaknesses. We can probably pick your top five pretty accurately. Now you're looking at a different course and there's a whole nother aspect. There's a whole nother angle to come at it where you go, well, Who's going to handle this course? Who's going to handle the climbs well? Who's going to handle the descents well? Who's going to handle the flat, fast run off those climbs and descents, um, etc.? It's it's it adds a whole new dimension to what the world champion is going to have to figure out, calculate, get right on the day, uh, and then you know be crowned the world champion as opposed to right like Mecca took seven tries at it, knows exactly what's coming now. You know he's 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 finally figured it out uh you've now got one year you've got to do this now this year you, you mm. first time we're racing this as a world champion as a world championships on the nice course you've got to figure it out you've got to be there and you've got to be ready so um it adds a whole new dimension we're talking with with brands brand partners to go out to the nice course with some pro athletes because they're going to have to all do reckies no one's doing that for the kona course mm. because you don't need to i mean you can you can literally ride it on on ruby or whatever and you can see the whole court there's nothing special it's the true three corners and the whole thing um <laughs> you know it's uh it's it there's, there's nothing you need to know you need to know how much power you put out and how long you need to put it out for and that's about it uh, the nice course is not that at all I speak from so, experience. yeah so you've got experience in nice you raced there twice and and you've uh had a win and then i saw you had a second place by 35 seconds which i bet uh bet that hurt a little bit um it hurts a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us about the course from a pro perspective um and how it might differ you know we've had uh, we've had having other guests on i sort of to talk through the, some of the profiles but you know what sort of an impact do you think that bike course is going to have and are we going to see sort of full-blown attacks you know or is it somewhat similar to what we maybe saw in st george um i don't think it's very similar to st george before i before i get into the course i will just point out that uh, the course is not published uh, mm. if you go on the the world champs website at this point it says course maps and details to be finalized at a later date um i will not be even remotely surprised if ironman turns around and changes the course so that it's not the same as the normal nice course mm. um just to you know throw a spanner in for whatever reason maybe even to have a lap a lap course a two lap course or something like that um just to you know make it slightly different for world champs so that world champs isn't the same as nice which is happening in june um and essentially you know there's quite a few pros male pros already going to that you you know you have a free swing at that one figure mm. things out and then race exactly the same course three months later four months later um I wouldn't be surprised if Ironman throws a curveball there and goes, actually, that's not the course we're doing. A two-lap course, you're going to do two climbs. They're not going to be as big, but it's going to be different. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised. But having said that, it's very different to St. George. Um, it's it's European climbs versus American climbs, I suppose. Um, it's twisty, turny, 
long, long, like it's a, it's a really long grind. Um, you know, you, you come around that, you come off the beachfront and it's completely flat for about 10 Ks. And then there's this wall that you hit, which invariably someone drops a chain, breaks a chain, realizes <laughs> they didn't bring the right gears. Um, it's, it's really, really steep and it kind of punches you in the gut and then it just keeps dragging on and on and on and on. And you can't actually believe how long it's going for. Um, and then same with the descents. They're not the St. George descents where you're in a super tuck going 70 Ks an hour, 80 Ks an hour for extended periods. They are technical uh, descents that you have to be completely in uh, concentrating the whole time. You cannot for one second let up your concentration because you will go off the edge. You will hit a speed bump at speed and you'll be, you'll be down. You have to really, really know your bike, know the roads, know your concentration and, and concentrate. And that changes the dynamics of the day. Um, it's also, and I think we're going to see a lot more, a much more tactical and maybe even honest race um, on, on a course like Nice, because you can, you, in Kona, the game, you can see where the game is. You can see either I'm bridging up to this gap, up to this, this lead pack of four or five, or the winner's going to come from that lead pack of four or five. Uh, you can pretty much look around you and go, I know which pack the winner's coming from right now. And I'm either there or I need to get there. Um, in Nice, hot 20, 30 Ks into the race, you're going to have no idea whether the winner is being smart and five minutes behind you and everyone in your group is burning matches that they are going to pay for later, or the winner is someone who's gone up the road in front of you and is really smashing it and you are all holding back too much um and you'll be looking at your power numbers and someone else will be pushing on it's not this flat time trial thing where you can where you can just watch people around you choose when you put in your surge choose when you sit back at the back of the group uh you have to really know yourself and know like i am in the red now but i can only do this for another 20 minutes otherwise i'm gonna have to let this group go uh, because if you do it for too long, there is no coming back in an Ironman. Like it's, it's the two races I did there. The one was a very kind of, you know, straight up. There was no, there was no, there was no twists or turns to that one. It was like with the person with the most power is going to, um, going to, going to win this thing. Um, and I, I rode my own ride. I didn't even pay any attention to anyone else. I was in amazing shape from being in the Swiss mountains for the summer. And I, uh, I, um, yeah, I felt really strong on the bike and I knew myself on climbs. I knew exactly where I could hold and for how long, you know, I can hold this for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes and get to the top of the climb. I knew exactly. And it was straightforward. The next time it was in the middle of the heat wave, they shortened the race, um, shortened the run, um, by a lap because it was, hmm. 39 degrees on the run Jeez. i think um it was it was stupid and that was much more of like right i cannot go into the red here because you I'll, the only way to come down from that would be to sit under a tree for half an hour with mm -hmm. a can of coke because you will <laughs> never cool down again um and that was that was a lot more tactical i i i kind of you had to choose where you were going to put your efforts uh we're not going to see 39 degrees in september in in nice but if it's 25 degrees and you're climbing a hill at 13 k's an hour you're going to cook um and and you're going to know about it and you're going to have to make sure that you're within yourself when you're doing that um and 
you can't just go on the wheel of the person in front of you and just, you know, because 50% of the field is going to blow up and overdo the first half of the bike out of excitement because it's world champs. Uh, you're going to really need to know your the course and you're going to really need to know yourself, um, which makes it so much more exciting from a, from a spectator's point of view. Um, you know, there's no like, okay, Jan Frodeno has got out the water and he's in the front and, you know, this person's three minutes back, this person's four minutes back. Uh, the only real question here is whether uh, these people can bridge up to him. And if they can, it's going to come down to the run race. That's not going to happen in Nice. So you don't uh, and, you don't think the packs will kind of, you know, like what we saw in, in St. George, we saw that sort of breakaway. And I know you've said the, the, the roading is going to be a lot different. So you don't think that the packs will necessarily stick together over there. You might end up with lots of sort of mini packs. Yeah, I think it'll break up a lot more. Uh, than St. George did. Uh, St. George is also, um, there were essentially two big climbs that that could break it apart. Um, and you either burnt your matches on the long first one or you burnt your matches going up Snow Canyon on the mm -hmm. second one. And, and that was it. Those were your only options. Um, the rest of the time, you weren't dropping people. And we saw it. We saw them bombing down the, the highway and no one was pulling away from anyone there. You know, as long as you were still with them, when you got to that top of the climb, you are you're in it uh, but nice is not like that when when you get to the top of the climb you might be with those guys but if you've got a, a gustav eden or whoever it might be a rudy von berg who who won at the last nice bombing down those hills at breakneck speed he could still be three minutes in front of you when he gets off the bike mm. even though you were with him at the top of the big climb uh whereas in st george that wasn't going to happen if you were with him at the top of the climb you were still going to be within touching distance at the bottom of the climb no one was pulling any time out of anyone even if they put their their 60 tooth on um it's <laughs> with technical descents like that it was it was going to be it is going to the race isn't over when you get to the top of the climb um and you have to still be concentrating you still have to be in it and then because people know that they're going to go well i'm probably going to descend two minutes slower than some of these guys i'm going to burn my matches on the uphill and then the other guys are going to go with them, but then they burn in too many matches, uh, you know, etc. Et it's who do you watch? Who do you follow? Who do you, whose wheel do you follow? Do you do your own thing, etc. Um, and there's so many dynamics in that. Um, I kind of, I kind of need to get a commentary gig so I can sit there and watch it and talk about <laughs> yeah. what happened. I think um, it's a, uh, it's it's going to be fascinating. I, I'm really excited for for that. With with regards to Kona. Would you be happy if it moved completely away from Kona or do you like the split year thing? I would be, I've said for the last 10 years, I'd be happy if it moved completely away from Kona and, uh, and I stick with that. I, I like, I mean, I had success in Kona and, and, and even then I'm like, move it away from Kona. Like it's, it's not for the, for, particularly for the professional side of the sport. Um, I think it's, it's important that the sport outgrows its roots in Kona. It needs to mm. outgrow it at some point. It needs to. Mm. It needs to cut that umbilical cord. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's like saying the only real golf championships is in in Scotland in St Andrews where golf started. Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, there's golf courses all over the world, and you can't have only the only major that actually matters is is the one where the first golf course was. I mean, that doesn't that that's just. You can't, you can't, you can't. Golf couldn't grow to what it is like if they were thinking like that. Uh, and triathlons the same. You can't, you can't think like that and expect the sport to grow and blossom and become 
fully fledged professional and be on TV and everything while you cling to this notion that you have to hold on to the history. The history is still there. The books are still written. You can still look at the 40 years of Kona coffee table book and it's still fascinating. And you don't take anything away from that by having a world champion crowned in Nice. They're still the best triathlete in the world over a nine man distance. They and, just weren't crowned in Kona. And with that, were you, was that a consensus you felt for most pros or were you a bit of a lone voice? Um, I think, I think probably, I probably about 50, 50. Okay. Um, I think, the thing with the thing with a lot of the pros is they come in from a very passionate background and a lot of them came from through age group and they they hold that same kind of passion for it and and that's not a bad thing absolutely you know they hold that passion for the history and and they've also aspired like so many age groupers have for and and like so many age groupers are so frustrated with kona not being in kona this year with a world champs not being in kona they've aspired for 10 years to get their slot and now it's not there um mm. and i think a few pros feel the same um but I think if you if you step, take a step back and you look at the actual sport as a whole, um, it, it's good for everyone if the sport grows. And the sport can only grow if it's not hamstringing itself by hang, hanging on to something like Kona, which is has got negatives. You know, it's 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 just you can't have two hundred fifty thousand people on the side of the side of the route, and because you don't have two hundred fifty thousand people on the side of the route, the TV pictures look boring because yeah. there's just one man riding his bike through the middle of a highway so yeah. it doesn't look boring there isn't thousands of people four deep lining the roads um which to be honest i think on the clams on nice is going to be i, I mean they're going to have to put crowd control barriers like the tour de france up i think yeah, uh, yeah you know cool, every eh? man every man and his dog from a six hour radius six hour drive radius is going to be there on the side of the road watching um it's going to be it's going to be spectacular i think um and and that makes it more spectacular to watch on tv too which just keeps you know it's a it's a vicious circle and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger um which i, I really hope happens mm, awesome so james um you've got global maybe just tell us a little bit about global triathlon network and anything else that you're up to that uh you want people to know about uh yeah i'm pretty much uh global triathlon network is uh is me at the moment um keeps me busy uh that and my three kids i got a five-year-old and and three-year-old twins which are pretty Ooh, much uh, it's a busy all of my time yeah, yeah exactly so uh yeah between that that is that is about all i've uh i've entered an ultra trail race because i went through the uh, post post-professional athlete uh rite of passage where you uh kind of stop everything and get really really unfit um, <laughs> and I, I started feeling you know i feel, I, I kind of when i retired i thought i'm gonna hang on to some fitness and i'll still be able to hold my own in zwift races and whatever I, whatever challenge i decide to do i'll be able to to just jump into it because i'll still be fit uh but that didn't happen uh when you don't have any motivation you just kind of lose your fitness and once you lose your fitness everything becomes harder so then you just even lessens the interval <laughs> to do it. uh and i i think it's a bit of a rite of passage you have to get to 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 rock bottom and and really really hit that that zero fitness and then you can start building back so i am now building back i've entered ultra trail snowdonia which is 100k in may oh, in, i've got a guy coach doing that too laps is... going to be laps of a course isn't it that looks pretty tough pretty tough it's a it's yeah it's a it's a big loop around snowdonia over a whole yeah. bunch of uh a whole bunch of uh, big mountains. It's got like six thousand meters of climbing and a hundred k's. So uh, I'm I'm scared enough of it for it to motivate me to get out of the door and go and train. So that's uh, which was the idea. Uh, I didn't want to enter just a marathon and go. Well, I've done 
50 of those <laughs> in yeah, Iron Man. Yeah. How hard can it be? And then I don't get out and train. So it was yeah. had to be scary enough that I got out there and started training. So I'm getting fit again. Um, but yeah, between the kids, GTN, uh, and and trying to get fit again, that's that's pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, and then yes, yeah, supporting Jody. Jody's obviously finally got to the point the three-year-olds are now going to school to nursery all day um so she's got some time so she's building her coaching business um she's also investigating trying to work with british triathlon um oh. which is fraught with all the federation things you can imagine yeah. um so yeah she's a bit frustrated on that front but she is also coaching on the side which is which is building uh she's got her swallows triathlon which is which is building and, and keeping her busy and and getting, you know, we're doing a swim camp next weekend, that kind of thing where where she's uh looking at people's stroke, which, you know, pay sure. enough to have Jody Swallow looking at your yeah. at your swim yeah. stroke. So uh so that's going well and and yeah, we we're building, we're finding our feet here in the UK and it's it's going really well. And whereabouts in the UK are you based? Uh just outside of Bath. Uh oh, yeah. so it's kind of two hours, two hours uh or two hours west of yep. of London. Yeah. Um it's a, it's a nice area. Hot bit of triathlon bath. Can't even get into the triathlon club there, I believe. So awesome. <laughs> Thanks so yeah. much for your time, James. Love your work and keep up the good work with GTN and we'll hopefully see you at the races somewhere in the not too distant future. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Chat to you soon. John, what are your thoughts? I certainly got. I mean, I was already pretty pumped about Nice, but you know. Yeah, he uh, sold I it well, didn't he? Yeah. I think even I, because I, was, I wasn't skeptical of Nice, but I was, I don't know if I was con- totally convinced, but I have to listen to that. Yeah. it's And it's just, we do the same old, we'll keep doing the same old, going to Kona. Kona's great, but if we want to try to take the sport to a next level, with a conjunction with what PTO is doing and all this other stuff that's going on, it ain't happening in Kona, and uh, which is which is sad, but time to move on. Once we stop recording, James actually talked about he thinks the females have been screwed this year. Yeah, inadvertently, they probably didn't think it quite through. Yeah. But, you know, the hype is going to be, he was saying the hype's going to be for Nice, everything's going to be pumping for Nice, you're going to be... Stokes going to even be things like, like the bike companies are going to bring out the new bikes and and then a month later you're going to have the females in Kona and you may have some fantastic racing but I guarantee you will not have all the industry that, that turn up there yeah and how big a fa- I don't know even things like the underpants run hmm like is that, is that a different thing if it's just a single sex thing hmm totally so a lot more bras it's going to be I'm fascinated I, I really am quite against having Men at one place, women at another place. Yeah. Love the two-day format. Don't get me wrong. Women uh, loved having them as their having their own platform, but I don't know if it's going to quite work this 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 time around. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Nice. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And then, but then James went on to say also, then then the following year, the Nice bubbles kind of burst, so you kind of go, well, that's happened. Yeah. And then the boys are going to be in Kona, so there may well be the split again. It might be it's going to be oh, we're going back to Kona. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that because the thing is, let's say Nice is like a route mm. where the crowds are just fantastic and mm. it looks like an amazing race. We'd be pumped if it's females next year. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think the females would be really excited to do it because it's it's now got a kind of a story mm. that you know. I don't think it'd be an afterthought. Mm. I think if anything, I don't know if that would necessarily screw the females next year. Yeah. Um, you know, if Nice is a total disaster, which I don't see it being, but, <laughs> yeah. but let's say it was, then that'd be a bit sucky. Okay, let's get into it. Let's wrap things up, John. We've got Wanger of the Week. We have indeed got Wanger of the Week, Bevan. Okay, have you, have you put the number of Wanger? I'm, I'm going to go number 100. Oh, here we go. Number 100. So, uh, if, if you don't know what Wanger of the Week is, get onto Strava, uh, join the I Am Talk crew, and if you make the top 100 with your training, then you get to see. So, last uh, week, uh, oh, I was 56th. 
Didn't swim, did they? No. Oh, we'll go to 99. 99, swam. Tim Pickett, you're stuffed up by not swimming last week, mate. You're, uh, you're not going to get the love. Tim's a, he's a bit of an endurance runner these days. Well, uh, jump so, in the water for 10 minutes, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Tracy Maguire from the Grimsby Triathlon Club, she swam, uh, well, she did 11 hours and 55 minutes in total. Uh, she swam an hour 30, biked 6 hours 22, and ran for 4 hours and 3 minutes. Grimsby. Tell you what, Tracy likes food. Because <laughs> <laughs> photos, there's one running photo, there's cheesecake, there's lollies, there's, yeah. looks like something on toast, there's yeah. a, some cake from a cafe. An empty it's bag a, of, yeah, empty yeah. bag of uh, And there's one of her running. Squashies. Uh, so, she's Obviously. from the Grimsby Triathlon Club, and she has been consistently doing training since January, first week of January, she went, went a little nuts, been nice and consistent all the way through, and let's see if I can figure out where Grimsby is. Grimsby is that movie, remember with um, Sussman <laughs> Cohen? Grimsby. No, no. Yeah, yeah he plays a character, Grimsby. Grimsby is, oh, it's up sort of northern northern England, closest. Oh, probably the people from Grimsby would probably hate that movie. Yeah. Because he doesn't paint them in the best light. Right. But not people who are enjoying their triathlon club. Apparently, yeah. high class, the triathlon club. Yeah. So it's on yeah. the, the eastern coast of uh, England. Nice work. And yeah, if you want to get part of the Wang of the Week, go join up the I'm Talk group. On Strava. Okay. What yeah. did I manage last week, Bevan? I think I was 50, 56th. Did I get on there? Negative. Never. <laughs> Negative. I've never actually been on it. Really? You well, never? I've never. I, we done it once I gave up triathlon. Yeah. If I did my gym stuff, if I sunk it only counts Strava, to swim, bike, and run this, unfortunately. Yeah, see, you've screwed me. You did that just yeah. to screw me. Yeah. Okay, John, let's say thank you to our patrons. Phil the Philinator Patterson. Nice work. How's this training up? Phil, yeah, he's he's cranking it. What's he doing? Water skiing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good arms. F- yeah, Fred <laughs> Linebacker Litz. And we've got John the Falcon Fredrickson. And he flew through Tasmania 70.3. Um, Who couple did of weeks Fred, ago. John? Yep, he said it was a fantastic race. First time they've had it. Good work, John, you're a legend. You're an absolute rock star. I get to say thank you to our patrons. If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. Uh, if you want to show email to you, same place down the bottom of the front page. If you want some coaching, I know a really good coach. Go to his website, <laughs> coachjohnnewson.com. For anything I do, my book, my podcast, anything, you know, if you want to get me just speaking at your business, bevanjamesisles.com. Uh, other content, age group a week, anything else, iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Jumbo, your goss. So, Bevan, it's uh, 10.51. We've been going since about 8.20, uh, so yep. we've doubled up the shows. My question to you, yep. do you still have... Your dark chocolate stash in the freezer. Do you need some dark chocolate? I think John, I'm going to need something. I always have a dark chocolate stash. I think in my I'm going to need something. I've got to go out and bike for about an hour and a half after this, and I'm yeah. just haven't got the shakes, but I'm thinking I'm going to need something yeah. to get through that yeah. bike ride. Yeah. Well, based on how much you sweated when you walked in, <laughs> you know, like I walk in, John, John arrived here probably the first time ever here is early, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I walk. Ironically, in. we didn't need to be. Early. No, no, we didn't either. And then I walk in the room, he's sitting on the couch, and he was sweating bullets. I was trying not to sweat on the couch. Yeah. It, was, it was all on my head. Yeah. So, Bevan, uh, no goss, really. Uh, what have we? Oh, and no, I tell you what, I started watching. Um, so I love the Formula One Drive to Survive yep. series. It was got the great. tennis one now. Yeah, so I started watching the tennis one. Really enjoyed that. I think I'm maybe three episodes in. The golf? And I've started I've watched <laughs> one of the golf ones as well. Is it good? I just struggle. Golf is just, 
next level ponciness yeah. and just the money's kind of sickening and it almost puts me off a bit um, how much money that is involved in that like, sport. Especially when it's like you have 300 in the world and you make a million a year. Mm. You know, like when you look at our poor triathletes, mm. you know, like you think... I don't really look at it that way. I just look at it going, it's just so much money. Yeah. And you just walk into this room and it's not the not a multicultural sporting yeah, okay. endeavour at all. And I'm just like, oh, I... Think, I, I Golf's fantastic. Love playing golf and love, respect the athletes. Do you love playing golf? Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Uh, Are you not any very, good? Well, I'm not very good. I can occasionally get a par. That's about it. I suck at golf. <laughs> um, I don't think I've had a game in like 20 years. So, yeah, I, I did enjoy the first episode though. Uh, so I'll keep watching that when I'm on the trainer. I wonder so, why we get sick of those things. Because every sport's doing it now. Yeah, it's like... Tr- Triathlon will be is is going to yep. try to get on. Like they're, they're trying to do that with with the PTO to a degree. You yeah. know, with some of the stuff they're doing. I think they're um, doing one in the Six Nations rugby right now. And they're doing the Tour de France one's going to be coming out soon. I'll be really interested to see that one. Um, but yeah, there's got to be that saturation point. Because what what the the Formula One one did it brought a lot of people to the sport. Oh, totally. But as more of these kind of mm. every sport does it, mm. will you actually you know does it get an overkill? It's yeah. a bit like the Marvel movies. At first, everyone watched them, but now so we're into season maybe season four of the Formula One, and I am thinking how they're going to make that diff- this different for me now. I kind of know the formula yep. now, or yeah, and. Yep. But these new ones are tennis, you know. I don't know that much about tennis. I kind of know do they the get, fringe do, notes. Do, do they get the top guys? No, no but they don't need to, I don't think. Okay. The, the, the ones below that are often, often more interesting. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, that was, uh, got onto that in the weekend. What about you, Bevan? We did see the Mighty Vodafone Warriors. I see Actually, the, no, the Mighty New Zealand One Warriors. Because right. Mighty Vodafone changed their name. Yeah, they lost. Yep, so I had the experience I was hoping to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to the say. Cricket has lost. Oh, the palms down throughout us. Yeah. And the, luckily the basketball has won. The, the, thing about, the thing about the cricket is, the history of New Zealand cricket is, early years we were crap. Then there was kind of like the, the 80s, 70s, where we... Up and down. Better above our league, really. Because yeah. no one in New Zealand plays cricket. Like, how many people you know play cricket? Nobody. Nobody. And even mm. as a kid, not many oh. play cricket. Oh, no, a lot of people play cricket as kids. Oh, but you went to a posh school. Yeah. And yeah, Eddie didn't know what played. Yeah, no, a lot of people play cricket. <laughs> Eddie's a normal. <laughs> yeah. I think I knew two people who played yeah. cricket. Right. So, so no one played no one played cricket in my areas. And um, and so the 80s happened. And sometimes we did great. Then the 90s. Uh, the, the New Zealand cricket through in the 90s and 2000s. Our strategy was to bore the crap out of you. <laughs> Basically, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Gavin Larson. You yeah. know. <laughs> Slow, steady wobblies. <laughs> Slow, steady wobblies. <laughs> Deepak Patel, who was a spinner who couldn't spin the ball. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was pretty. He just bowls it even slower. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, geez, I hope he misses us every time he bowls the ball. <laughs> we hope for better. So it was pretty rough. And people would get out because he was so. No, he was obviously really good. But they're just like, how do I get out to this guy? Yeah. How did I miss that? It just went straight because you're expecting it to spin. And one of our biggest innovations was to open with him, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, and one of the highlights ever, we got to the. The semi-finals of a World Cup back in like '90, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Oh, was, I broke our heart. We, we didn't lose a game in any of the tournament, and then we're, we're smashing. And Inzabal and Mark came out and smashed us. So, but the apologies then, for non-cricketing. Oh, people, the Americans love this. <laughs> and then the last five years, the last kind of seven years, we've been like the best team in the world. Yeah. Like we we won the World Chess Championship. We got second in the stupid World Cup final, which we shouldn't have we lost. Should, we drew, yeah. but we were ranked number one. So we just had this period which. Bit freakish, really. Mm. May never happen again. Yeah. 
So we're just going back to our place, John. We are. <laughs> we're just yeah. We're just accepting, you know what? It's got like following the Warriors. Mm. I went to the Warriors. I had the experience I expected. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, it was packed out. Yeah. Sold out. It was bloody hot day. Oh, mate. I was running home when that finished. Jesus. Those boys, there's a guy, Nelson, I can't remember his last name. Is it Kiwi? Filipino or something no, like that? No, something like that. Yes. It's not, it's got three names to him. Um, he must be like 6'6, 140 kg. Yeah. And he's not a fat boy. Yeah. And you see him running. And he's really agile. Like his, yeah. his hand skills are phenomenal. And you see him and you just think, imagine, imagine they're running at you. That. It's a freight train. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, the boy's a beast. Yeah. So did that going away this week, John? Yeah. Although I talked about it the next week's show, which we've already done. Yeah. But my, my daughter, my, actually, as soon as we finish here, I've got to get my work done for the next hour. And then I'm going to see my daughter. I haven't seen her since Great. since August. So yeah. we're going to go walk up Rapaki. Oh, it's going to be toasty. <laughs> it's going to be toasty. Walking up a straight hill in the no shade. My daughter's a funny one because my daughter, as a kid, never played sport. We, we tried to get her to play soccer. Go up Bowenvale Valley. It's a bit different. You can zigzag your way around. Maybe I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a route to follow. The East Bush Bowenvale track. pretty steep. No, the bottom part, you, and you sw- switch around and it'll come out near your place. Okay. Um, so, as a kid, she wasn't an exercise at all. But my thing was always be healthy. So, after school, we'd always play like basketball hot scotch or just played um but now as an adult she's become a hardcore exerciser mm-hmm. yeah she's right into it great yeah that's good because she's health is important team health what are you looking at i'm trying to find this route for you so that i can uh you show me how to have a route yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough <laughs> right let's wrap it up john boo i'm russ i'm in a train smart oh geez i've lost it i'm going too long okay what do we say what do we say train hard train smart kia 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 kia. Kia. that was a shocker yeah. here we go see you guys later